Um, I'm not going to take up too long. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to Matthew chapter 9. Why don't we just be upstanding just quickly. I've just got a few verses for the reading of God's Word. I'm not going to take too long. Um, but hopefully this is a word of encouragement to someone. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 to 12. Just reading from the New King James Version. Um, because... This is the English that I speak every day. New King James Version, Matthew chapter 9, verse 9 to 12. It reads, And Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he arose and followed him. And now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with the tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those, are well, uh, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. They were questioning the disciples and Jesus just heard it. He was like, ah, let me answer that. And he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. For the next few moments, I'm just going to preach on this thought from the mundane to the mission. The mundane to the mission. One more time, if you put your Bibles down, just agree with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence that is in this place, despite, Lord God, the challenges that we may face. Lord, it is all worth it, Lord God, as long as we gather together in your name, with your people and in your presence, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that as your word is preached, I pray that may, this seed may fall upon good ground, that it would germinate to bear good fruit that would give you all the glory, Lord, as you transform us and change us to be more like you, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. From the mundane to the mission. Jesus was constantly um, scrutinized throughout his ministry. and Every move he made uh, was, very, uh, was very often met with, with criticism. His ways uh, were many times considered unconventional. Now, obviously, Jesus was not one to struggle with insecurities. In fact, I think it might be just me, my observation. I feel like this generation is getting a little bit softer and softer. My kids are like... Um, if we were to critique... Uh, if, or if we were to be critiqued as much as Jesus was, many of us may have thrown in the towel already. Why don't your disciples fast? Everyone else fasts except for your followers. What's wrong with them? Why aren't you following the narrative? Why aren't you doing the same thing as the rest of us? Why do you heal on the Sabbath? Don't you know that's against the law to be working on the Sabbath, put aside the fact that people are being delivered, people are being set free, you're doing it on the Sabbath. 
Why do you fellowship with sinners? Don't you, don't you realize how uh, unrighteous and unclean they are? They're not like us. You should be fellowshipping with us. Why are you fellowshipping with sinners? You see, Jesus was never one to seek after the affirmation of men. He didn't cower or, or buckle to the opinion of others. Especially of those that had hidden agendas. In fact, I think this was most evident when he went about to choose his 12 disciples. See, disciples would choose their rabbis. Therefore, the most prestigious scholars would have the pick of the, the most promising disciples. Just as... Uh, nowadays, the better your result, the better the results you get in your HSC, the better the options are that are waiting for you if you were to pursue higher education. The higher your score, the higher the chance of you getting into the course and the university that you want. I learned this after I left school. I was like, oh, that all matters. This was no different to Jesus' time. The best students were able to choose their rabbi and the, the most sought out of rabbis had their choice of the brightest students. A rabbi would be considered due to their wealth of knowledge and understanding of the Torah. The rabbi was somewhat proven in the circles of the educated. Then here comes Jesus. A rabbi slash carpenter. Who doesn't have the, a backlog of applicants desiring to enroll in any of the, the, the classes that he has to offer. His name is not necessarily one spoken about amongst the scholars. His name is not on the radar of any disciple and even if he was known, it would have been uh, because of his profession as a carpenter more than anything. A rabbi's authority commensurate according to their knowledge of the Torah. It hinged on how much they knew yet they had no authority outside the Torah itself. But not only was Jesus able to teach with one that had authority, he was the word made flesh, amen. He is the final authority. Despite this, no one had a clue to who was really walking among them. So Jesus, from the beginning of his ministry, was already doing things differently. Again, disciples didn't choose him, but rather he chose his disciples. And he didn't choose from the top of the list of the most promising disciples. And even if he could, I don't believe he would have. You see, Jesus' criteria was different to the other rabbis. He didn't choose from the best of the best, but rather he choo chose from the least 
of the rest. They weren't only not considered to be disciples of the best rabbis, they weren't considered much by society altogether, let alone students of the Torah. Yet Jesus went about picking his disciples, which was already unconventional. And he mainly chose fishermen and political activists and a tax collector, as we read. Peter, whose name is recorded more than any of the other disciples, was kind of portrayed as the leader of the... Maybe he thought that in his, in his own mind, that he was the leader of the disciples. But Jesus is right-hand man. Caught from obscurity with his brother Andrew and led into a life of ministry. We know that not only was Peter the dominant voice of the twelve, but that Jesus also brought in James and John to be the three go-to disciples, if you will, whenever there was something important to handle. Jesus may have seemed unconventional, but he still had structure. The text that we read highlights the moment Jesus calls Matthew. I don't hear about things too much. It's always Peter. It's always fishermen. Yes. But Matthew isn't really spoken about too much again. Yet he obviously goes on to write this gospel. See, Matthew was a, a tax collector. One of the most hated professions at that time. Known to exploit the people by overtaxing them and pocketing the difference. What made it worse is that Matthew was a Jew. Doing it at the behest of the Romans. Working for the enemy and taking advantage of his own people. No moral compass at all. I'm thankful governments today are very honest with our taxes and we don't have to deal with that. Amen. They don't take advantage of us. A tax collector. What rabbi in the world would consider a tax collector as one of their students? And what I love about Jesus' ministry, I always love this about Jesus' ministry, that he was a master at finding the diamond in the rough. Master at finding the diamond in the rough. Sometimes we wait for the polished product and we're like, yeah, that. But he was a master at finding the diamond in the rough. When Samuel went to Jesse's place to anoint the next king, Jesse brought out his sons that he thought would make a great king because of their experience on the battlefield. They looked the part. But Samuel anointed a, a young, scrawny little shepherd boy. See, Jesus doesn't get distracted by that when calling his followers. He's going for those Davids straight away. The forgotten, the outcasts, the ones when they are transformed, you can't give glory to anyone but God. And now we don't know every single disciple's profession when they were called. Some are not mentioned. But I can tell you that not many of them would have been worse than a tax collector. 
And the Bible says that Jesus saw Matthew in the tax office when he called him. How many of you just wish you can get up out of your office and just, uh, I'm following Jesus, and then you just leave, <laughs> quit your job, hand in your resignation? Praise God. <laughs> but that always stood out to me, that as he's going about his business, Jesus speaks to him. And I've simply come here to encourage someone that God can speak to you when you are just going about your business. When you're just going about the mundane tasks of every day in your job, in your workplace, whether it be in a warehouse or in an office or in a school, in a hospital, wherever you are, Jesus can reach out and talk to you. Amen. Amen. Maybe this message is not as polished because I don't want to be like shouting and all that sort of stuff. So I can just be a little bit real. Can I be a little bit real? So I'm a social worker. Before that, forklift driver for over a decade. Now, I don't know who would ever hire me to be a social worker. I work in youth work. No qualifications. Nothing. No experience. God opened up a door and it was just, he had his hand all over it. Because now I'm in a position where I interview people and I look at that interview process and think to myself, man, they were negligent. <laughs> I would never have passed this interview if someone like that. <laughs> I would never. I just, I look, I, I, yeah, it's crazy. I was like, I wish I knew this when I was. <laughs> All I got was, why do you want to get into youth work? Oh, I just have a burden for young people. You got the job. <laughs> Don't worry about what do you do in this situation? What do you do when there's a crisis and someone pulls a knife out on you? I never knew that knife in youth work. But I remember when I was transitioning into a new company, again, like I said, when I first started out in the industry, I, um, I had no background in the industry. And a lot of the stuff I learned, I got my qualifications later. So the kids are safe in my hands. But then I got, a new, I got a new job in another company during the lockdown, actually. And um, they started offering me a position that I kept knocking back because it meant that I couldn't work with the kids face-to-face. -face. I was off the floor in the office, more of a manager, or, and I knocked that back for a long time. And every time I came up with a, a reason why I didn't want to take it, they will adjust it. And then they will come back and be like, okay, look, what about now? I'm like, oh, no, nah, I don't like this, this, this. And then they will go on and, and eventually God spoke to me because, and this is glory to God. I'm not, I'm not, like I said, I had no background in it and I haven't got a degree in it, but people with degrees were actually not getting the job. To take someone that knew nothing and had no background and put him in a position God was speaking to me maybe this season in this role is to give me glory if that was it just to give God glory and I can testify of what and I'm a little lenient when I'm doing those interviews because some people are like nah and I think oh man I knew nothing as well <laughs> I knew nothing as well before I started I think I could work with them like God worked with me but one thing I did 
I have realized that ever since I took that new role, God has shown me so much that I can, so many, he's upskilled me in ways that I could use to his glory in my own personal walk with God. It was just that the mundane work and job turning up Monday to Friday, nine to five. Yet there were things that I was, God speaks to me at work all the time because, yeah, if you know my work environment, sometimes a bit of work. But I feel like God speaks to me a lot at work because everything I'm learning for the first time. And when I'm learning it for the first time, He speaks, you can use this in these areas. You know, and I believe God wants to use the situation that we're in to give Him glory. There's a reason why He said, I will make you fishers of men to fishermen and not to the tax collectors. Amen. But you've got to keep your ears open to the voice of God because He can speak to you in those mundane tasks. Those ordinary, everyday things that we do, God speaks to you. There's a reason why Jesus said that again, that he will make fishers and men to the fishermen and not to the tax collector. Maybe use some money analogy too. You know what I love about Matthew's story? Is that the moment he follows Jesus, he opens his home immediately to other tax collectors and sinners. The version that we read doesn't say it was Matthew's place but the other gospels identify it as Matthew's place other versions of the bible the new living translation calls them tax collectors and disreputable sinners like it's not bad just to be a sinner you have to be a disreputable sinner bad reputation they have to point that out but these are the people that Matthew drew straight away to his house he didn't wait until he was used at church before he opened up his house for the lost. He didn't wait till he finished Bible school. He didn't wait till he was recognized uh, with the minister's license, minister's license. And if you've done all that, praise God. But you do not have to wait till you are qualified by man's standard. As the saying goes, God doesn't call the qualified, but rather he qualifies the called. Amen. There is a community of outcasts out there. People that have been isolated, they feel like they don't have any place. There's a reason why there's a church being set up here at the Central Coast. Amen. Because there is a community out there. I remember Brother Gleason once said, uh, what did he say? <laughs> <laughs> if, God, um, uh, if God only saved people like me, then I will only reach people that I could reach. Now, there's a reason why he calls out alcoholics and, and even people um, out of certain communities like the LGBTQ plus and all that sort of stuff, um, community, because they can reach them. Something, I said something different when I read about Matthew's calling. See, as opposed to all the others, and especially the majority of them were, were fishermen. They were just going about their business. Um, that's the trade that they knew. But with Matthew, and this is just me personally, I can sense that he was looking for a way out. 
When it came to Matthew, I sensed that he was looking for a way out. I feel like Matthew's initial decision to follow Jesus was done from a, from a heart of someone that was seeking grace. He just wanted a way out. He wasn't happy with his, I'm not sure, I don't know, maybe Peter was just sick of catching fish and all the other fishermen. But when it comes to Matthew's conversion, because of his background, I truly believe that he was looking for a way out. And sometimes, you know, we can find ourselves in a vicious circle of life. Amen? Or in a situation that we feel like we just can't get out of. You know, toxic relationship, abusive relationship, and, you know, a toxic job environment. You know, sometimes you, we, there's a place, we're in a place where we feel like we shouldn't be here, but then, like, what job is there waiting for me? Or can I ever make the money that I'm making now? Seeing that you're struggling to overcome, a stronghold that you can't shake, that trauma that you keep reliving over and over and over again in your mind. I'm here to remind someone that Jesus is the way out. Amen. He is the way out. You're looking for a change in your life. You're looking for a way out of your situation. That's Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. You're tired of going around in circles. You want a new life. Jesus is the answer. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but if you haven't been baptized, 2024 is the year to be baptized. Amen? Not December 2024. Like <laughs> 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You know one thing that I... I, 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 I that stood out to me about Matthew's ministry is that he was a tax collector. Yet he wasn't chosen to be the treasurer of the 12, despite his experience. And, and some scholars believe it's because maybe Jesus was wary about the image of having a tax collector in his, as a treasurer. And I, I don't agree with that because I don't think Jesus cares. I don't think he would have cared. I don't think he would have cared. But when I look at that, I, I also, and I thank God for all the skills and the gifts that we have. Some of us have had these, we, we, we learned these, we, we developed these gifts and skills before we come to church and then we can use it for the kingdom. But I like the, the fact that it wasn't the natural kind of role or the task that Jesus gave Matthew. And it's like, as, and I'm not speaking against that. We all need doctors and we all need, you know, nutritionists, scientists, and <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Is that what you are? That's what you studied. Or something like that. Didn't you? Um, we all need all that. We need teachers and we need, we need all that. Okay. But I also believe God doesn't want to pigeonhole us in that area. He wants us to learn something new. A skill that maybe a lot of us never have thought that we had. But again, Jesus is a master of finding the diamond in the rough, of bringing that out. Maybe 2024, I want to encourage someone to do something that they've never done. Do something new. Not just build on what you've already good at. But step out in faith. Amen. Step out in faith and do something new in 2024. Amen. Amen. What a beast then. I won't be too, like I said, I wasn't going to be too long.
As I close this off, Matthew's story is recorded in all the three synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in Matthew and Luke, the, the, the recount of his calling, they refer to him as Levi. A lot of, a lot of versions that refer to Levi. Sorry, if I'm making it awkward about those. Sorry, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I should have done half. I was thinking half. Sorry. Did I did say half. Uh, but, um, yeah, so this, the scriptures and a lot of the versions refer to him as Levi. Yet Matthew, they believe that his name was changed after he was called. Scholars don't know if it was Matthew that changed his own name or if it was Levi that changed his own name, but But his identity was changed when his name was changed. And the fact that he refers to himself straight away from the beginning as his new identity, there's just something confident that, to me that Matthew was confident of who he was. And confident of his new identity. And when I read this and the fact that when I see how God used him, I just, I just get this sense that very early on from his calling, he understood what he was saved from because of his background, because of what he had done. I feel that, I feel that because of not what is written about him, but rather what is written by him. That Jesus would trust him enough to write one of the Gospels. We'll never know the real reason why but I believe Matthew again had a revelation very early on about the transformation that took place when Jesus called him. The word Levi is what he was referred to. Means united, joined, or even joined in harmony. His name was changed to Matthew or Matthaios in Greek or Matthiahu in Hebrew, which means gift of God. So together, you can almost translate it as joined in harmony with the gift of God. Working in harmony with Jesus. Working together, attached to the things of God. And I don't know about you, but 2024 is a, a year where I want to attach myself to the things of God. I want to work in harmony with the Lord. We're not, ministry and the mission field is not us working for God. It's us working with God. He wants to partner with us in this relationship as He's commissioned each and every one of us to reach out to this community. Amen. Sometimes we get used to just going through the motion, going through the mundane. But God can speak to us in those moments. God can reveal to things to us, give us a revelation when we're just in front of our computer at work, when we're dealing with our team in the warehouse, 
whatever it may be. But God is always developing us. You know, when I was working in a warehouse before I became a youth worker, people would be like, oh, what are you doing? How are you growing? It's like, I tell you one thing, I'm learning to be punctual, responsible, complete tasks when they're given to me, accountability. There's plenty of things that we can learn during the mundane that will benefit us on the mission field. Amen. God's got a calling for each and every one of us. If you need the gift of the Holy Ghost, we can pray you through the gift of the Holy Ghost. You can receive this promise from God right here, right now in this smaller edition of Pentecostals of Central Coast. But God is here and He can fill you with His Spirit right here, right now. So I was going to say step out to the altar, but this whole place is enough. Amen. So let us lift our voices. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for speaking to us, Lord. And sometimes, Heavenly Father, we can be distracted by the mundane and just going through the motions, Heavenly Father. But, oh Lord, just like you, you, you spoke to the disciples in their workplace, just as you spoke to, to Matthew in the workplace, we pray that you just speak to us, Lord God, when we're just going through our everyday activities. Lord, let us be sensitive to your voice. Heavenly Father, every, everything that we go through, Lord God, I pray that you'd be a lesson, Lord Jesus, that you could teach us to help develop us, Lord God, as laborers for your kingdom, for the mission field. You've called each and every one of us. We all have a mission field, Lord Jesus, whether it just be our own home, Lord God, that you have committed us, Lord God, and ordained us, Lord Jesus, to reach out to Lord, have your way. I pray, Lord Jesus, anybody be seeking after your gift, Lord God, that you'd fill them with your spirit right here, right now, Lord God. Heavenly Father, continue to use us, I pray, Lord God, and continue to encourage us, Lord God, in the everyday activities, Lord Jesus. I pray that you may open up opportunities, oh Lord God, to share your word, to share your gospel. I pray, Lord God, that you give us opportunities to pray for our school friends, Lord God, to pray for our work colleagues, Lord Jesus. All for your glory, Lord Jesus. All for your glory, Heavenly Father. Have your way through us, O Lord Jesus, that we may give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Come spend some time with the Lord. I know a lot of us are already standing, but let's, let's, let's seek the Lord. That He would speak to us in our everyday activities and that God will continue to use us in our workplaces and schools, in our communities. And in Jesus' name.